Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey there, welcome to ATL and 29 of Peach Troops podcast where we look at the NBA from the starting point of Atlanta. My name is Kevin Chouinard. I'm here with Glenn Willis. We're recording on a Tuesday evening. And as luck would have it, the Hawks made a deal today. Glenn, what do you think of the trade? Uh, it's an interesting one. I, you know, you and I have talked so many times about Harkless being the guy they would trade to duck under the tax. I've always said, oh, it was a tr- trade deadline approaches. If the season's not as on track as they hope, that's a way to, to duck under. If it were. But they already, they've already seemingly you know, done that, depending on other moves, of course. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I tried to think a little bit. I, I, I had a super busy day, so I haven't had a ton of time to think on this. But I was like, I wonder if uh, Jalen getting kind of the, the normal usage of practice as the backup for – is kind of leaving Harkless in a weird spot with kind of, you know, kind of where does he fit in uh, from a practice standpoint, scrimmage standpoint, whatever that is. And, and is this kind of them being uh, polite to, to Harkless, um, you know, in that sense and clearing the way for Jalen, or was it just, oh, Hey, here's a chance to go ahead and duck the tax. We're going to go ahead and just do it while we had the opportunity or was it some of both? Um, uh, we could talk about Crutchy a little bit as we kind of transition, but the timing surprised me. It wasn't what I expected but it's not shocking. I don't think. Yeah. I thought it fit with the two or, or two of the, the most candid moments from, for media day. Uh, I think two of the most candid moments was one was when Nate McMillan was asked about, I think it was that he was asked about the players, the, the new faces uh, and and just it wasn't quite a throwaway line, but it certainly was uh, unprompted. All he just said, you know, Jalen will play this year. Jalen will play minutes this year. Like he just put that out there, um, and, and that was one. And the other was, uh, I think Brad asked about the, you know, whether or not they'd use the fifteenth roster spot, and Landry Fields said something to the effect of uh, no, and and no because you know we're concerned about the tax. Uh, so, uh, you know, those two together, it, I guess they didn't, they didn't wait to act because uh, they knew that those were two objectives that they have. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And perhaps they got enough relief in this move to use that 15th spot. Um, um, I, think, I think from my understanding from people I trust, timing will be a factor there. I don't think they could turn around today and – fill that spot. I think they'd have to wait a few weeks or something like that. Um, 
Um, but although they could still get back to 14 later in the season and all that, you know, it's possible. But I, I put on Twitter today, it's like, I wonder if this creates room for Shondi Brown. It certainly seemed like there was a some shared affinity uh, between Shondi and the organization last year when he was, you know, playing through that COVID stretch. And then in the summer, he was uh, kind of a leader uh, on their summer, summer league team and such. Mm-hmm. And so a little surprise there, but I wouldn't be shocked if uh, this uh, kind of helped them um, clear a path to, to bring him back. They could use his shooting for sure. And the kind of versatility he has defensively would be useful as well. So I'm just curious that this might be um, total speculation here, uh, a, a way to bring him back. Cause I was, uh, surprised that there was a parting ways there seemed to be a really really good fit and some shared affinity there but but we'll see if they do anything with that anytime soon right and and sean d not that this precludes the hawks from going after him if they're interested but he had his g league rights traded today so his uh g league uh affiliation now is with the austin spurs and, uh, you know, that's that doesn't really change anything with regard to his NBA status. If he was right. signed outright to an NBA contract, that would, you know, trump that. But Sean D himself, you know, put a quote tweet, uh, a grateful appearing quote tweet to, to what I think it was the Austin Spurs put out. So, you know, maybe he'll end up there. But, yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Um, definitely see them going in that direction if, if that's something that they wanted to do. I, I was surprised. Uh, it made more sense when, when it was, uh, you know, it was clear that Jarrett Culver was the one that they were using that spot for, but uh, I, I could see that. Uh, so, so tell us about Cretchy. Yeah, it's, um, he's definitely an interesting guy. Um, um, he's uh, six, seven or so. Um, and, uh, when he was a draft prospect, a lot of uh, people that were uh, capturing their observations were like, this guy's going to be a point guard. Uh, a little bit in the Josh Giddy mold, you know, and, and, and Giddy is a more advanced prospect than uh, Crutchy ever was. Um, but if you kind of have a chance to go back and kind of watch sample of his play from, uh, I think it was like the U17 uh, and European uh, play, uh, and then other uh, times where he was kind of working his way up through the different um, European leagues and things like that. A lot of creation, uh, a lot of ball handling uh, and things like that, especially for a guy his size. Um, and so I, I don't think I would view him as uh, a guy who's on track to become a point guard. When I shared one tweet about him, I, I described his skills as kind of pseudo point guard skills that could could develop, but he's 22 years old. Um by by what I've heard when I've kind of checked in with some people is um, that he showed a lot of athleticism when he was younger ahead of, I think it was an ACL injury he had mm-hmm. um, uh, in the last 12 months before his draft class, I think it was. Um, and that that athleticism, athleticism hasn't really returned to that level. And uh, an injury like that with a young people person is uh, often going to have that kind of impact. So hard to know what kind of athleticism might still be possible there, but he's only 22 um, I know my view of him at summer league um, is that he's a confident, aggressive with the ball, which is, which is good quality. I think for the most part of young players, but the, the, the handling is um, needs to be tightened up. Some dribble kind of can get high and wide. Uh, it may be a, an aspect of just his aggressiveness in general, kind of maybe working too fast and need to slow down just a little bit. 
Um, but I mean, he understands his angle, passing angles. He understands how to kind of uh, create leverage with his defender and kind of work that leverage a little bit, uh, especially for a young guy. And so there's kind of something there. It's, it's interesting to think of him on a team. If he, if he sticks on this roster, there's always that question about, is this a, a real move, you know, uh, that, that they're going to be invested in him because um, he needs developmental opportunity. Um, so, you know, might he play at college park a lot this year to kind of, kind of get that or not. So, um, but the Hawks, I've, I've said before, the Hawks need another point guard. I don't think he is capable of handling actual point guard minutes on any serious team at all at this point in time. Um, how far he is away from maybe being able to do that the second half of the season, if, if he really makes progress, seems unlikely to me that he's going to be a solution anytime this year. But he seems like, an, I think he's a real NBA prospect um, with some real intriguing uh, kind of size and skill combination uh, there. So I mostly spoke about his offense, and that, I think that's where all most of his intrigue is, if not a huge percentage of his intrigue on the offensive end. But that, that's those are my observations on him from what I've seen. Very good. Um, I'm not sure how well you were able to track media day, but was was there anything? Uh, if if so, was there anything that stood out to you as as meaningful? You know, I mean, I thought it was all mostly predictable. Um, I, you know, the thing, it's kind of funny, but um, I I was most entertained by Justin Holiday talking about his hair, which is not, <laughs> which is not a thing I would normally gravitate to, but he was kind of uh, speaking to my experience. He's talking about uh, how to make sure you got the right uh, color uh, when you're kind of working on, on that. Um uh, I, I felt that I could a bit, <laughs> um, around that. Uh, and he, he's just a fun, interesting guy anyway. Uh, I thought, you know, the fact that how direct DeJounte can be, I thought was just refreshing, um, you know, uh, around him kind of speaking to what his expectations are for himself and kind of coming in Trey, Trey's just Trey. I mean, I, I feel like at this point in time, we all know what we're getting from Trey from a, media availability standpoint that's not a criticism that's not that's not bad uh that's smart you know, sometimes and and people are just who they are so uh nothing really jumped out at me i thought Anyeka would talk about his jump shot a little bit you know we'll see uh you know kind of what that's about so i, I thought i thought it was fairly predictable this year it's not which doesn't set us up to have a great conversation on this podcast but that's my honest answer <laughs> i don't know if you had i don't know if you had other things no i think the more interesting Remark related to Enyeka and jump shooting came from Nate. I think he's he compared him to Bam again, you know, and mm-hmm. that you could play through him away from the basket. He said he wasn't ready to go out to three yet, uh, but you know they could they could play with him with the ball in his hand from the elbows from time to time. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, we'll we'll see um, how much of that they might do this year. You know, that's that would largely call for them to run some different stuff offensively when he's on as opposed to Clint. Right. Um, which some teams don't want to do. Uh, some teams do. Um, we'll see with Nate with a little bit of changes on the coaching staff, kind of, we'll see how that manifests. Um, but if they kind of steer the offense more towards kind of playing through uh, a five creator when he's on um, and playing your more traditional pick and roll uh, kind of stuff when Clint is on, That'd be interesting. That's not a thing Nate normally wants a kind of a pretty static template. 
Um, but maybe he's kind of uh, open-minded to kind of um, having a bit of a different offensive script, depending on which five man is on the court at the time. So one, something to watch I'm, as these games uh, overseas get started, you know, definitely something to keep an eye on in, in terms of what we're seeing there. What, what are some of the uh, canaries in the coal mine that, that you might be looking for in the first couple of preseason games? Some, some trends that indicate uh, further trends that are on the horizon. Yeah, I mean, so I mean, so most teams that play through their five offensively, they they run what most people, what most teams call a delay, a delay set, um, and so you know that's the five up near the top of the three point line, and the other four players below it, um, and kind of creating their. I mean, we saw a lot of that in the Miami series last year because Miami does quite a bit of that with Bam. Um, so I mean, so that's the kind of the the first thing I think I think I'm looking for. The other thing I think I'm looking for is when Jalen's on, who is he on with? And is he playing power forward on both ends of the court? Or is he is there a little bit of a position switch up from one end to the other? I've talked before about the fact that right now I I don't know that Jalen will ever be viable defensively at the four or five. Uh, even when he was better last year, uh, when they put him into the action, it was still awful. As a help defender, um, as low man, all of that, he got so much better. But that's that, that, the stuff he was better at is more kind of wing responsibility that you tend to see or guard responsibility. So um, if he's on with a, a bigger wing, do they shift that, you know, kind of lineup wise? So those are things I'm interested in. And then when Trey and DeJounte are off, who the heck's playing point guard? It's, I mean, that's the, I mean, I don't, I have no idea what that's going to look like. Are they going to actually let Aaron holiday have a shot at, at kind of, trying to kind of function in that role at the beginning of the year. I'm not very bullish on that, but it seems like he kind of has to be the, the obvious choice from uh, the beginning of, of play here. Um, those are the big things that are kind of jumping out for me. I think we all want to see how does John's shot look with that finger. Uh, he's a, he says, of course, you know, you were there, but he's, he says he's fine from a basketball standpoint. He basically, I think he said it's not impact, you know, um, I'll full, I'll see that. I'll believe that when I see it, I think, uh, that there's none. Um, so those are the big things for me. What do you have your eye on? Um, I'm, I'm interested in who that, I mean, it seems like it's, I don't want to say a foregone conclusion, but it seems like we can reasonably expect to see some Jalen Johnson. I'm wondering, you know, I guess this is sort of what, like what you were saying, but I, I'm just interested sort of one through five, like what sort of lineups do they put around him? How much do they want the ball in his hands? Is that something that they can leverage? Uh, you know, what, what lineups, if they want to do that, what lineups maximize that? Are they using that kind of lineup or is it just kind of the, you know, leftover pieces because you're getting into the, you know, bench lineups. I, I'm, I'm curious to see. Uh, how Jalen is used and, and which which lineups he's a part of. I, I think you know, I think there's some interesting synergy between him and Onyeka. Uh, I think you know he can be a really helpful rebounder for Onyeka, uh, unlike you know what they've given Onyeka. I think in any previous seasons, uh, but we'll have to see. Yeah, and then sort of the. Uh kind of the wing depth you know um you know does 
Tyrese Martin, does he kind of get a shot to play with kind of what we what we might envision the second unit to be? Um, or you know, you know, does Trent Forrest kind of, you know, is Forrest kind of getting or Forrest and Martin kind of competing with one another for you know, kind of the fringe rotation minutes, I guess we might say, you know, but um, those are the kinds of things I kind of have my eye on as well. What are they doing with Jarrett Culver? Um, You know, I uh, wrote his player uh, preview that came out uh, um, earlier this week, depending on what day this posts. Um, um, But I basically said, look, with Jalen Johnson being a second year guy, A.J. Griffin being obviously a rookie, Tyrese Martin being a rookie that, you know, Nate might trust him a little bit more defensively early in the season as those guys potentially kind of get settled a little bit. Uh, so that kind of makes sense, but I'm a little interested to see kind of what's going on with him, uh, him as well. And then, um, you know, Nate, Nate has talked about Jalen being a four, you know, and, and I have questions about that. And, but, you know, who, who's the third guy that's going to get minutes of power forward, you know, in the preseason that to me, that says something uh, too. You know, does Hunter kind of shift his minutes uh, in that direction or do they do, you know, something else? Does uh, Frank Kaminsky play a little bit of four, you know, uh, which can work offensively, I think. Um, On the other end, I'm not sure what they do uh, around that, but I'm still curious, like, what does that depth actually look like behind JC? Are they from the get-go fully committed to Jalen being the backup four? Uh, And if so, to your point, kind of how do they construct lineups that, that make him um, set him up for more success and more more functional lineups there. So, and then the, I think the other big one that we're not touching on is how to what are what are they doing to kind of mesh Trey and Dejounte? Right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, is Trey actually doing yeah, stuff off one. ball he hasn't done before? You know, are they running? Are they just running simple, basic, you know, floppy action or uh, strong slash away action? The same stuff they've been running with others the last few years is a stack pick and roll for trade. Like that's the same Brett, like basic stuff, but, or are they getting into some more sophisticated stuff for trade to actually create space and leverage for him? Loop action is kind of a, a basic action. We've never seen them run. Um, everyone, you know, we all like to kind of look at what Steph does off ball and we want to envision and imagine Trey uh, kind of being in actions that might work that way. And Golden State is much more committed to, um the to wider action uh which loop action kind of kind of is so just anxious to see kind of offensively you know what they're doing with trade that might be very very different than what we've seen the last few seasons and uh um you know how how does how did he how did he design to kind of work work together there so yeah it'd be interesting to to see all that i'm, I'm ready for uh, these games to get going and, and see how that looks yeah i tried to ask nate a question about Trey's usage off the ball the other day. If I can paraphrase the question as best I can, I, you know, clearly Trey's one of the elite passers in the NBA. If he's playing off the ball, you know, when he makes passes, he's going to be in different situations, different angles, different spots on the floor. And I asked Nate, it was, you know, does that make it easier? Does that make it harder? Is there an adjustment period? And basically Nate's answer was, you know, he's, I forget the number, but he's 28 and nine or something like that. And, uh, you know, he tried to almost downplay, you know, that, that Trey was still going to have the ball in his hands a lot. So I don't know. We'll see. As he should. But but I don't remember what, if he was um, answering a question specifically. He talked about going to Oklahoma 
and working out with Trey and and the, he was the point guard and Trey was the, the off guard and whatever it was they, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever it was they were actually doing there so uh that was kind of, I thought that was a an interesting thing for Nate to kind of kind of throw out there so yeah I'm, I mean clearly the the trade DeJounte is the big one but I'm still you know in my mind if you if you look at the the crumbs on social media, if you see some video clips of what these practices look like and what color jerseys they're wearing, and really that doesn't mean a whole lot, but the the bodies are numbered such without bogey that it's sort of plausible. And I think the the bench lineup was something like Aaron Holiday, Justin Holiday, uh, Tyrese Martin, uh, Jalen Johnson, and Anyeka Kongu, and. I, I'd be interested to see how that plays out. You know, what, what, what that not even like a naysaying, but it's like that's if it works, it's going to work sort of maybe non traditionally. I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. I, I want to see what that looks like because I don't think there's uh, necessarily one you have to do it this way kind of strategy if you were going to use that kind of lineup. Uh, seems like you could do a lot of different things, not necessarily great things, but you could go a lot of different ways if, if you played a lineup like that. Yeah, that that's, I mean, on offense, that's an inside out lineup, right? That's creating through your four and five. Right. right. I mean, you could be doing pick, you know, you were running four or five pick and rolls. Like you trust on Yekka making passes and decisions out of the short roll enough. And Jalen has the handles for it. Like that's, uh, you, you could do some different things there. Yeah. For sure. So, and, and, and that's interesting too, but will, like, will they stagger Trey and DeJounte? And, right. and, and we shouldn't make yeah. too much of it because the priority might be in the preseason is let's get Trey and DeJounte integrated. Absolutely. So we're going to have them on together all the time. That doesn't mean they're not going to see staggered. So, you know, we got to, we got to be careful not to overly react there, but yep. across the several games, it could be early on Trey and DeJounte are spending all their time together. Then one game, Let's get DeJounte and Yeka kind of working in the pick and roll as, as if to say, okay, those guys are going to have to kind of be the, um, the fulcrum of the second, you know, second unit offense, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, all, all those little things. And uh, I'm sure uh, as we do, we'll react to some things uh, and not, we'll, we'll try to avoid kind of flipping out, you know, like that. But it's, I'm anxious to see though, what, what they're doing. Uh, I always try to, kind of kind of make something of the x's and o's that i'm seeing that are new uh, that always is probably the top of my list in the preseason is again because they don't typically run stuff they're not going to carry over into the season um so that'll be but, but yeah that'll be interesting too are, are you excited about the traded player exception that the hawks got today uh the one that's never going to be used because it would put them over the tax yeah um excited to watch that thing sit on the cap sheet all year long yeah i don't think that's going anywhere anytime soon no not unless there's some kind of big you know big trade uh at some point in the season and they need that to do something on the margins but uh that's that's seeming less and less likely you know that they made the deal that i thought they'd make later in the season um today uh it's not official yet but um, it's official oh it is yep Oh, I, I missed done and that. Done. I, that's how busy I've been today. Yeah, in fact, uh, as Brad was pointing out on the internet, it's mildly confusing whatever that new protection is on a pick. Uh, it could be the pick that OK, the second round pick. OKC and Atlanta have like 
you know, 2025 swapped second round picks. So it's like, which one did the protection change on? And, you know, it's probably not all that significant given that we're working in the second round, but uh, we'll have to figure, figure out going forward what that is. Yeah. And it was kind of funny because when we were talking like in uh, kind of internally, if you will, reacting, um, it's like, is it, this has to be a real pick. Otherwise why would OKC not, you know, and I, I, I was just pointing out, I was like, Hey, Travis has done Sam Presti a few favors uh, along the way here. So <laughs> if it ends up not being a real pick, uh, I would put that in the category of Sam Presti uh, kind of doing a solid back to Travis. Um, but it looks like it's real stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, this, this, this trade almost, I mean, I guess there's a real asset there that the Hawks are giving up, but uh, it almost feels like a, a favor to the Hawks. Like I, I, you know, they get their business resolved ahead of time. You don't have a veteran on the roster who doesn't want to be here. Yep. Uh, it, it helps the Hawks get the, their ducks in a row now. And I, I think it just keeps, keeps the slate clean for them. Uh, yeah, so. the next question is, does Will Harkless play for the Lakers or the Clippers? <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, it's, it, it does, does feel something like that. Like there's already something out there for him, probably. Yeah. Even though it's not supposed to work that way. Is, is there anything else that we're supposed to touch on tonight? Um, I don't think so. Did, did I, you know, I'm curious, did you get a read at all on how the kind of the, the shakeup in the coaching staff, uh, have you gotten any feel for how that's going to impact the team or yeah, any vibe at all around those changes? Cause I'm super curious about how those impact their, uh, what they're doing on the court too. So I don't know if being around uh, media day and all that, if you picked up on anything at all that you, no. you can share. So what, what was media day was Friday. So they had two a day practices Saturday and Sunday. Saturday night was the fitness test. I think that was the only thing they did then. Monday was a team outing. Tuesday was just their day off because they're getting ready to go overseas for 10 days. So that's like their last day off was today. So they really only had like two days. They had like multiple sessions, but only two days worth of practices. Saturday was packed. There were so many people in the gym that it was like the most people I've ever seen in that facility at one time Mm. for practice. And then Sunday... Nothing I really noticed. I, Kyle Corver was there, which, you know, we, when you're talking about Trey trying to get used to working off the ball, that's, that's kind of an interesting, uh, you know, he's, he's in charge of player personnel. So I'm sure he's got lots of tasks there, but it's, it's, it's notable that you have somebody there uh, as comfortable as he is in that role. Yeah. So at but this point, I, I don't have a feel for for the coaching. We, I, you know, I need to see like more of like, you know, the quiet gym where there's like five people in there other than coaches and players, and you get to see a four on four scrimmage to help get some guy who's coming back from injury healthy. Then, then you kind of get a feel. But uh, no, it was just kind of a zoo the last the the only two days we were there. Very good. So he- heading into this preseason. At this point, what's your what's your biggest concern um, for related to this team in terms of things they it seems like it's a deficiency they still haven't addressed or whatever it is? What's the biggest concern you have right now? I mean, it's a combination of of 
it's a combination of do they have shooting and and are if they don't or if it's not you know it's i don't clearly think it's not going to be what they've had in previous years right you know how well do the players adjust to not having that shooting around them you know can can trey operate in tighter confines and, and that sort of thing when he has the ball uh, i mean trey's it's funny. It's in a way you you look back at Trey's rookie season. It was a challenge for him, just the lack of talent at times, the lack of spacing. Like that was a good test uh, for him to get used to. You know, okay, what does it look like when when it's all turns to you know shite? Um, and so you know, I don't think it's going to be any complete shock, but. Uh, you know, it might be a little bit of an adjustment period if, if the, you know, he's playing with two or three non-shooters at a time, or at least, you know, not uh, special shooters, uh, you know, what happens to the spacing? Can he adjust to that lack of spacing? I think that's, that, that's a big thing. So uh, I, I think that's a big one for me. I mean, we know what Trey can do, but uh, the parameters might change for him. So uh, yep. we know what can, we can do in the right situation. Uh, and I guess the other big one is, I mean, there's so much attention on, you know, do, do they have these new defensive pieces? Uh, does it get better? I mean, I, I, a healthy Clint and, and the new faces around him, uh, they're going to have to be more of a defensive team to be successful. Well, it seems like they could be, but, the, but that's a big one. Do they, do they uh, get after it defensively? Or, um, you know, I just want to see what it looks like, basically. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Know, what What does the defense look like? Because, uh, you know, there might be some more offensive problems, but the defense could certainly make it easier for the offense if, if it's there. Yeah, it's, it's still funny to remember this. As, as ugly as the offense looked in crunch time last year, pretty consistently, it seems like, they were still second in offensive rating last year. Trey still had easily his best season, uh, uh, um, even though he was uh, getting less pick and roll, more aggressive pick and roll coverage, switching. Uh, he's having to attack mismatches, clock, clock, shot clock kind of winding down. And he still put up like all uh, obvious, undebatable all NBA numbers uh most seasons first team all nba type type offensive numbers so it's gonna be interesting to see like uh with the the shooting um the lack of shooting presence they've had just like you pointed out there you know when they rotate the ball is it more we're gonna attack the seams instead of generate that three-point shot right right are they gonna be aggressive attacking the seams on the weak side that the trade creates um is it, so what does that look like and you know that's more i'm gonna attack the seam you know, it collapse the backside of the defense if they stop me from getting in there. And then there's a drop-off pass, a dump, you know, simple passes to kind of make there with their reduced creation. Also, they have less creation than they had last season as well, just generally speaking. Um, unless, you know, a few guys take a big step forward, Hunter, Jalen kind of being probably the most obvious ones there. So, it, you know, what what is – what does it look like when the ball rotates? Is it really different? Like we're not looking for the guy standing by himself in the weak side corner anymore. We're really attacking those seams. Another thing to watch for uh, in the preseason. Uh, um, so yeah, I, I, I'm st- I still don't know about that point guard depth. Uh, whether we want to talk about it from a depth chart standpoint or a lineup uh, construct standpoint or whatever. 
uh, we'll see. But um, with the trade today, maybe they're going to test drive this uh, kid they acquired today a little bit and and kind of third string, you know, preseason kind of uh, accent. If so, we'll, we'll we'll see what that looks like. Uh, I, he's an intriguing guy. I don't think he's ready to be in a real rotation um, at any point this year. Is my best guess, but you never know. You know, we'll we'll kind of kind of kind of see kind of see how that goes. But uh, and then. Also, uh, you know, maybe Aaron Holiday has progressed a little bit more in the last few years than, than I've noticed. Uh, and maybe he can do a little bit more with the ball than, um, than what I'm giving credit for right now. But that's why we, that's why we uh, nerd out and watch these preseason games uh, with bated breath and, and see what there is to learn and see what they're doing and um, sh- should be fun. I have to say, though, with, with your, your uh, quasi-swear word of choice you had there, shouts to Graham Chapel um, wow. there. So, uh, no, just had to give us Graham, Graham a quick shout out. That's uh, one of his faves. Um, made me think about him. So, I got to give him a shout out. So, I mean, I think yeah. a lot of the, I, you know, I would, a, a couple of, you just said a couple of things that have sort of triggered memories from what I've been pondering the last week. And, you know, two of the things that I, I think that are going to help with regard to, you know, what you're talking about, about creation. I think one thing that's going to help is that, I mean, we, we already talked about that, that, that staggering. So I, I think that DeJounte is going to fill a lot of the creation void and do some, you know, some backup point guarding again, maybe not in the preseason, but, you know, I think it's something you're going to see in the regular season, but like, I think Trey can play a little bit more minutes if he plays off the ball. I think that's going to help him. It's a good point. If he if he's not taking the pounding and and then just you know one thing that I've been you know trying to try to grasp what the Hawks have here, I think in a lot of ways like they are better suited to playing against Miami or Charlotte or some team like that. Like with the, with the creation that they've added, you know, with the ability to kind of flip the floor and get the ball on the other side for for somebody to attack the seams, like. I think that does them well in those situations, but then we've, we've also talked about, you know, two years ago, they made that run to the Eastern conference finals. And it felt like in a way, you know, as they were going through that, those series, like they were, they were getting the ideal opponents for the types of teams Absolutely. that they faced. And so they beat the Knicks and, you know, they beat the Sixers. And I think, you know, guys like Gallinari and Kevin Herter were ideal. They were really well suited to beat those teams. You know, every time the Hawks have faced Milwaukee the last couple of seasons, you know, in my heart, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, the Hawks had as good a shot against the Bucs as any team in the NBA. Like, they were yep. pretty well suited for that. Right now, I think the Hawks were a lot worse. Like, a, a hawks Bucks series with the current Hawks lineup feels like a nightmare to me. Like, I think that would be a really bad matchup for them now, where the last couple of years, it felt like a good matchup. So, I feel like they're better against the Miamis and worse against the Milwaukee's. Yeah, well, and they're going to play the Bucks a million times, t- roughly, between now and the end of November, because <laughs> they'll play, what, twice in this preseason, right? Right. Oh, that's true. I forgot about the preseason. And, three, uh, <laughs> and then yeah. three uh, three of their first, I think, 18 games are Something against like that, yeah. The, yeah. So uh, maybe they'll make the most of this preseason and get a feel for, you know, kind of what's working. But yeah, that, that run was Knicks drop coverage, Sixers drop coverage. Bucks will do some different things, but Bud still prefers drop coverage with Brooke Lopez, et cetera. Um, and that's not what Miami does. And we saw that impact last year. And I, and and smart NBA organizations go back to the drawing board and be like, okay, 
you know, we're going to have to get past teams that, that play more aggressively. And uh, when you're, you're, when you're facing drop coverage, you want shooting on the weak side for sure. Cause they have to pull in off the corner, right. To tag right, and all that sort of stuff. And now um, perhaps this team uh, can uh, kind of throw something different and more functional at teams that aren't going to stay in that, that drop covers and they have to be able to do something um, besides just wish for teams that, run heavy drop covers to be in their in their uh, bracket if you will <laughs> in yeah. the playoffs so I, I think that's a great observation but th- let's see when um does bud run just drop coverage the whole time and that doesn't really help I us think he will in the preseason i know and that sucks but thanks bud but can you please run one quarter of like uh, aggressive like bobby portis up at the level of the screen or something there you know <laughs> um but who, who knows but uh but well i think well, i think we'll have to kind of be another reason reason number 84 we'll have to be cautious about what we make of the preseason is that you know i, th- I think you hit on something very important there. this team is built um to kind of be different than what they did against those heavy drop teams two years ago in the playoffs and but these matchups with the Bucks might not give us much of a chance to kind of see kind of what that's intended to look like. We'll just have to kind of see how that goes. Good point. All right, Glenn. Uh, the preseason will be rolling along soon, and we'll be on the pod again. Sounds Thanks, good. as Look always, for your help. Yep. Appreciate it, Kevin. Have a good night. And you. Along those lines, some of the best shooters from last season aren't back this season. Um, are there some players on the roster that you see having sort of bigger shooting roles from what they had a season ago? We want all of them to uh, have bigger shooting roles and improve their perimeter shot. You know, Because we have uh, two dynamic players at that guard position. When you have a guy like Trey and Murray, uh, their ability to create is going to force two to play them. And they're going to be kickouts and opportunities for guys on the perimeter to uh, make the shot. And what teams are going to do, they're going to force us to, uh, to, to pass the ball to those guys. So all of our guys uh, uh, need to have a good year shooting the ball uh, from the perimeter. And, you know, that, that's, that's nothing new. Uh, when you have uh, special players like that, uh, you got to have guys to uh, protect them with the ability to knock them knock down shots.